Hey everybody, I'm Anthony. I'm Noah. I'm Zach. I'm Sadie. I'm Dane. I'm Tucker. And this is Schultz Unfiltered. And coming back to you today, we just had a super lively debate about school lunch. And uh, it wasn't quite mystery meat, but mystery cheesy hot noodles. It's, hot dogs. It's, it's a it hot is dog. horrible. It was horrible. There was no mystery. <laughs> there was no mystery. There it, was a mystery. They put something in there. Okay. <laughs> Dane, what do you think was it was for lunch? Um, so there was like these mac and cheese with hot dogs and it was terrible. There was like watered down. It was so bad. <laughs> and then like it, it tasted like nothing. Watered down and, mac and cheese? What yeah, that's what that? it tastes like. And it tastes like nothing. And then you had like water like water and then some peaches in it. Like it was there was it was so, so were watered. the peaches mixed with the macaroni and the hot dog? No, no, no. 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 So the peaches were on the side and they were like so watery. <laughs> It was peach juice from the peach. Yeah. <laughs> and there's green beans, and I hated green beans. Oh, you man. Said you them. Were the green beans, like, just, just plain yes. boiled green beans? Yes. No, they were watered-down mac and cheese hot dog green beans. Yes. Oh, all done in this, all boiled in the same water together, the same pot. With, with, with a Hawaiian roll that actually wasn't a Hawaiian roll. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, it wasn't. It, 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 it was from Ohio instead, yeah. yes, yes. It was a Nebraska roll. Yeah. So, uh, Anna, this is a common theme in our house. We talk about food a lot, what's good, what's bad. Okay. The fact that I, even though I'm Italian, I undercook or overcook noodles quite a bit. I should undercook every time. Yes, every time. Every, every, it's always undercooked. Undercooked. Oh, man. Yeah, so we, we don't pass the noodle test. Do you do you have raving reviews when you're uh, cooking food at home or kids talk about lunch? Um, You know, it's it's... Everybody has their own opinions about dinner, and we probably all land on the same page about ten percent of the time. Ten percent so, of the time. Yep. Well, that sounds good, good, better than yep. us. For, yep. for us. Well, yep. uh, we have Anna Tolf with us on the podcast today, and we've been talking to a lot of our friends and uh, other people in the community about how they got to where they were from middle school, high school, college to a p- profession. And sometimes, yeah. as we're uh, looking forward to hearing about you, you get through life uh, a few years down the road, and you're like, hmm. I feel like I want to do something else and looking for that, that opportunity. So we're hoping to hear that from you and how, what led you to that as you're now pursuing, sure. going back to school yeah. and pursuing a career in, in counseling. But it's obviously a big story before that. Sure. And so um, tell us kind of like where you, where you grew up and what that was like and kind of hobbies or interests and yeah. what, and we can go from there. Um, well, I'm from Montana. That's where I grew up. Uh, just small rural town. There was less than 2,000 people there, so teeny tiny school. Um, Which is about, about the size of your guys' school, so that's how many people were in the town. It's the yep. size of school. Wow. <laughs> yeah, so it's small town for sure. If you were the same um, people in the town, it would be a really bad town. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, so anyway, as far as hobbies, we spent lots of time camping in the summer and in the, in the mountains in the winter skiing. Um, but as far as job, uh, I was kind of a creative child. So I was a lot of times daydreaming, um, and which led me to getting interested in creating different clothes creations. Um, yeah. So I have memories of cutting apart curtains as a child, <laughs> third, fourth, fifth grade. So is this like you were reading magazines or seeing people on the TV? You're like, I want to do this. Or you just oh. had your own creative aspirations? Hold on, one minute. Yeah, you know, it, mostly it was looking at magazines for doll outfits in, uh, and then wanting to create those in the adult version. 
Oh, so. nice. Yeah. Tucker, do you have a question about that? No. What was your favorite movie? Your favorite movie at that age oh, in middle school? Tucker, my favorite movie was Mary Poppins. No. Mary Poppins. <laughs> yeah. How, no, how deep do you think her, her purse was? Like how many things are, are in there? Oh, that's a good question. Don't we all need a Mary Poppins purse in our life? Well, I mean, that's that's usually the grandma purse, right? Yeah. The grandma purse has everything in it. Yeah. yeah. Got lamps and all sorts yeah, of good stuff in there. For breath mints. Yeah. Yeah. And the nail clippers. Yeah. Yeah. Also got all the things yep. in it. And without Mary Poppins, we wouldn't have interesting words. Does anybody remember the word? What is it? There it is. Nice. Can anybody spell it? Anybody spell it? We're going to be here for a little bit if we try to do that. You can't even spell basic words. <laughs> That's so basic. Yes. So, what was your favorite video game? Ooh, video game. Um, I, I already know mm. what's to guess. It is Mario Kart. Hey, how'd you know? That's exactly what it was. <laughs> yes, yes, exactly. It was is most, that a theme here on the, the podcast? Most, it was the most popular game at the time. Was it the well, most popular? Maybe not game? when she was in middle school or high school. I don't know. Yeah. If it was was Mario Kart? We were about the same age. Was Mario yeah. Kart? It was just kind of coming on the scene. I feel like. Yes, but I yeah. was definitely not good at it. You were not. Yeah. No. I don't know that I was good, good at, at it either. Games, I'm not good at hardly any <laughs> video games. No. Okay, so we had a passion yeah. for fashion or design. Design. Yeah. Yep. And then where did that? Where kind of that did that lead you as you got older? Um. Well, kind of. It felt pretty different at the time, but I also had a passion for people and how they're put together and. Um, what makes for happy, healthy people. Um, and so there was a, a interest. Can you define happy, healthy people? I mean, well, can we just pause right there? Like, what, what, what is that? That would be amazing. Yeah. Well, there is some psychological jargon to, um, to put a frame around that. But uh, happy, happy people, happy, healthy people, um, I just would say is, the word is integration, integrated. Hmm. Yeah. Integrated. Integrated. In, in all aspects of their life? In all aspects of their life. That's the goal. Okay. So yeah. well, we'll have, maybe we'll get back to that. But okay. in, integrated in all aspects of their life. Yeah. Okay. All right. Yep. Okay. So you, people and fashion. People and fashion. So yeah. I landed first in architecture, but I just couldn't shake this desire to help people. It kind of checked the box for um, creativity, but I just really wanted to help people. Um so I ended up in teaching after a, a semester there. And okay, so you graduated high school and and went to college to pursue architecture. Yes. Okay, and where did you go to school? Uh, Montana State University. Is that in the, Bozeman. the the Grizzlies or the Bobcats? Oh, it's the Bobcats. The Bobcats. Yeah. Okay, all right. I had to make sure because yeah. I've got my these guys' great grandparents. My grandparents were f- born born there, but they were Grizzly okay. fans. Okay. So sorry, maybe maybe we can't be friends. I don't. I know, know. it's it's tough. That's tricky. Was there any like? No, you ever just like kind of like look to your left and like take a gander and someone's riding like a buffalo like down the street <laughs> or like someone's like on the back of a bear like or, like you know I was like that was kind of a big town. You went from two thousand and your town to like two thousand in your class, and that that was probably a big. big I know decimal. it. It was a big transition. Yep. No, no people riding buffaloes, horses for sure, okay. but um, so like yeah, no buffalo. Kind of similar to buffalo kind of yeah, i mean they've got four legs and, yeah yeah and that's what i was yeah that's what i was four legs same, same, I, same, I do same, recall really, a story where you you drove an old convertible in the snow like with your ski oh, mask on for sure yes. yeah in the small, was this yeah. college or high school yeah. oh that was high school i um my mom showed up with a red convertible 
and then asked me to go for a test drive. So the two of us showed up, and um, my dad's like, I guess, sure. So I love the convertible, um, but the deal is in the wintertime, it's a little tricky. So we would in put, Montana. In Montana. So um, in like zero degree weather, we'd put the top down, but you know, you need, there's snow, and so we'd get some goggles and some, <laughs> <laughs> some stocking hats and, you know, our ski gear. <laughs> we drive around. Drive around the convertible. Yep, drive around nice. the convertible. Okay, yeah. good. Nice. Yeah. Nice. Okay, so we That's went fun. to University of Montana. Montana State. Gosh darn it, Montana State. Close. Okay, Montana State. One, one semester of architecture. Yeah. Like this is this is not for me. Yep, I I liked a lot of it, but I just really wanted to help kids. I had a hard time with math in middle school, and I wanted to help kids learn math. We know nothing so, about having a hard time. Speaking about math, Miss Abdullah was back there today. I, I knew you were gonna say something about this. <laughs> she was back there. No, because I was walking, and I. Okay, and we're I we're trying no, no, not no. to use and names of teachers, by the way. <laughs> and I bleep it out. I don't care. She needs to hear this. I'm yeah, like, <laughs> say there was a teacher <laughs> that. Yeah, there was a teacher. Yes. No, no, I'm talking. Tucker Horn, buddy. And I and I turn around for a little bit. I, like I glance. I was like, that kind of like Miss Bella. I turn around. She said, "Hi, sweetie." No. <laughs> Go. Why? Go away. And. She looks the exact same. Like, I thought you were, like, moving. Why, why is she okay. even allowed to be uh, back we're, here? We're, we are, this is the, we'll do the. It's only been three months since you saw our last. Yeah. <laughs> the, like, the days of our lives with Sadie and her math teachers. Yes. Yes. Uh, so we know about struggles in middle school math right now. Yes. yes we, I, are, I, we are in the thick of it. I fully get that. I'm, I'm with you. <laughs> so you decided yep. to teach, but not good, not struggle with the math part. The teaching yes. part of the, the level at which you were trying to learn at the time. Um, when I was in middle school, I, I had maybe similar feelings about my math teacher. Didn't have a great experience. So mm -hmm. I thought, Hey, maybe I could do this better. And I care a lot about kids and I care a lot about people and I don't want other people to struggle the same way. Um, so I kind of specialized in, um, math, middle school math, actually. Nice. Okay. So yeah. then you got your teaching degree, got my teaching degree. Okay. Um, and I did my student teaching situation and, um, taught sixth grade for about three years until I had my oldest son, um, and really wanted to spend time with him at home. So, Got it. so he was, how old was he when, when you, when you stopped? Um, it was before he was born. Okay. Before he was born. Yep. Got it. So, so got pregnant, decided to quit classroom teaching, but then I helped homeschool families for another five years. Oh, you did? After that, yep. Okay, and what? where was that at? Through Cedar Park. Oh, through, okay, here, here, here locally. Yep, in uh, the Independent Study Program. Independent Study, okay. Yep. So then you did that and then st stayed at home for a while? Yep, um, okay. stayed at home for a little while, and in the process of having small, small children, um, I got to be really involved with ministry at my church um, and ministry to preschool moms, preschool families, um, and found myself kind of leading uh, one of the ministries at my church and really felt called into ministry um, and also doing a lot of self-reflecting on kind of the ways that I made and put together and how could I um, use some of those giftings in order to um, kind of contribute to what the world could and should look like. So, nice. Yeah. Tucker, did you have a question? What was, did, when you were skiing, did you like break a bone? 
Not when I'm skiing, no. A couple close calls, but... But um, she was wearing her ski stuff in the car with the top down. Uh, yes. Yes, so not skiing was, down the hill, just driving down the street. No, no, <laughs> just skiing in, in the car. So that's, that's good. I mean, we're, these guys are pretty involved. They're their churches uh, at, at church and whatnot and, and aspects. And Noah just yeah. signed up to join the worship team and is enjoying that. So what, when you felt, you say you felt called to yeah. do something, and I think people can use that in a, you know, for ministry or a, a you know, ever regular right. secular, secular vocation. vocation. Yeah. What did that, yeah. what did that mean to you at the time? And has that changed? Sure. I, I think I, um, it was a particular season and I was doing lots of self-reflecting and, um, some of the things that I came up with that are maybe unique for me or, or things that I um, could see are attributes about me is um, I tend to be found in, in leadership sort of positions. Um, I have this creative component to, to who I am, and um, I really like the outdoors and skiing. Turns out that the hobby part doesn't really translate to a whole lot, but skiing. I still do. I still do. Were you you were that. looking looking for ministries that involve skiing. Hey, I'm I'm up for it. If you okay. got if you got that, I'm there. <laughs> um, so with that, I I think the language that I put around that is I wanted to help people grow and use those different ways of doing that. Um, so at the time, there was we were at a big church, and I have a family full of boys, so I didn't want to. Um, I wanted to do ministry altogether as a family. And so we were looking at some different options. There was a church plant that was um, coming around. So we decided, hey, let's check this out. And as a family, we kind of all got on board with that. Nice. Okay. And so yeah. which area did you start serving in when you did that? I led the, the children's ministry. Um, and then shortly after that, I was on staff and I led the group's ministry and then um, I was the executive pastor, which is like the um, kind of runs the operations and and oversees the other staff members at the That's church. That's a big jump from going from staff to executive. <laughs> it's true, yeah. And I had a lot to learn. It and it, it, yeah, it was a lot. Did the old executive guy just like like retire or? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> he didn't die. Um, I, I think he was just ready to make a transition to a new job is kind of what happened. So there was a, a space available. Yeah. yeah. And so you saw the, the, the church of the executive, well, executive role maybe as some, some uh, drapes that needed to be cut and shaped. <laughs> <laughs> and made into something different and wanted to t take it on? That's, I love that you brought that up. So um, in all of the, I, I mentioned that beginning part because um, I've seen ways that I use that part of my creative part of my brain in different ways. So we think concretely like, oh, that just goes to arts and crafts and designing things. But actually it, it helps me... Um, part of the role of the executive pastor is to think about new ministry or how we could grow in different ways. Or So you use a lot of different um, creative approaches to what you need to do. And, and so that's where that kind of ties in. Mm -hmm. um, and you can see that, you know, obviously in teaching, there's a creative component to it. Um, haven't gotten there yet, but in my role as a therapist, I have to use a lot of those same skills <laughs> as they think about people and relationships and how they're all put together. 
So. Nice. So when you guys think of somebody who's an executive pastor role, what are some of the tasks you think they may be in charge of to do? As an executive pastor, the role. Yeah. What do you think some of the tasks are? Well, my my business and marketing teacher right now, uh, he he did the same thing, but except for he, I think I think he started the the church, and then like just had the top the top role throughout like through for twenty five years, mm-hmm. and he he like <laughs> I I learned this this year that the that that the main guy took all the all the offerings fr- from the offering bowl and then used it to pay for the church which now makes sense i just di- i just didn't think about it you mean that he he took it to pay for the rent or he took it to put in his own pocket for the rent not, not yeah put it because in his we pocket. so when you, okay so that's a good link back up so when <laughs> when we when people give to church whether you've been to a couple settings where they give money in the rows as are there yeah. or online mm-hmm. where did you guys think that money went I just didn't even think about it. I, I was like, when they they're always like this for the homeless, starving kids in Africa, and then he told me that I told you this, and then he told me that he took it, and then I was like, you stole all the money from the church. Remember, I told you that. Yeah, but that I think I think a better way to say it was he didn't take it or steal it. He yeah. <laughs> used the tithes and offerings to help. I thought pay it's for like donations for like yes. kids. It's for both. So Anna, as, like, as somebody, having been the like two dollars in together, there, what are you getting? Having been somebody who put together a budget for a church, um, there's different percentages that go to different different organizations. So usually, actually, in churches, staffing makes up about fifty percent of the budget. So half of the money that you give usually goes to the to pay the salary for the people on staff, so that their families can eat, they they can pay their own rent. Um, and about 25% usually goes to the building structure. Um, and then you're going you're gonna to look at 10, 15, 20% that might go to other organizations that you give to, other missions like the Starving Kids in Africa. So, um, yes, the, the idea is that you are a helping presence in the community, and the people that work there, are that is their role, is to help not only the people inside the church, but people outside of the church. To, so to if that. like if you get like no offerings that that week, do you just like pay out of your own pocket? Well, that's tough if that were to happen. Um, hopefully that, that there's uh, that you save money so that there's there's quite a bit um, there available for that. And I would say that when people give to church, it's usually on a fairly regular basis, and it's it's really pretty predictable. Um, so there's not a whole lot of insecurity because with that. Because God says. See, Tucker, Sadie's trying to ask a question later. Hold you can ask a question after Sadie. Hold on. Go ahead, Sadie. Go ahead, Sadie. Because in the Bible it says, God says to give 10% of your tithes. Tithes. So then people will give 10% of what they get. If And if everybody does that, that's like yeah. a lot of percentages. <laughs> well, it, would be t- it would be 10% of everything. <laughs> yes. It would be a lot of 10%. Yes. So it, it adds up for sure. It does add up. <laughs> okay, so besides just the financial piece, what, what were some of the things you guys think of when somebody's helping build a church? Uh, you're going to need staff. Staff. Mm-hmm. Preachers. How do you find preachers? Like, do they come to, like, how do you find a preacher? 
Well, for us, we um, there's recruiting organizations that actually go out and look for for um, preachers or people that are looking for ministry jobs. So yeah, yeah, like it's, it's like if it's an atheist who is trying to become a preacher and he didn't know anything about about the gospel, mm-hmm. would you like teach him and then he would go from there? Well, I think that there's a discerning process in that process. So you want to find someone who um, has done a little bit of work around their own beliefs and yeah. they're a, kind of a mature Christian before you want to put them yeah. in a role like that. And that's kind of the calling part that we had, had talked about, right? Somebody right. would feel called to, to go be a part of a church. There's a big difference. There's the larger churches like the Catholic Church or mm-hmm. the Mormon Church or the Baptist or the Lutherans that have a structure around them, and so you have to go through their schooling to then become a pastor at one of their churches, or there's a lot of non-denominational churches. I mean, where where we go is a non-denominational. It doesn't have, like, a governing board with it, and so you can just start a church, but it's a lot harder to do that than going through the process with somebody else. Yeah. Yeah. So, so there's the calling, and then there's the equipping, and both of those kind of help go together. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, so I mean, we've had we've had a lot of different business owners. It's almost, I mean, in essence, you're running a business, and the bus- business is the yep. church. Yep, it's more on the running of the business side of it. But yeah. we would put together things like an outreach plan, so um, kind of developing how we want to spend that extra ten percent. That um, Sadie was talking about. about. Well, you mean the ten percent with a lot of percentages from all the percentages, right? All the the percentage, right? Extra percentages, but yeah, yeah, all the percentages. Yeah, Yeah. exactly. Um, Well, that's good. And so you did that that for a while. And did did you enjoy being in that in that role Mm -hmm. that 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 the work brought? I actually really did. Um, Yeah, I I felt like it kind of utilized a lot of the gifts that. I felt like God had given me. Um, it was it felt like life giving and like a really good fit. So, Tucker, yep. do you have a question? Stop pulling the mic towards you. If you don't have a question, stop. Okay. Buddy, is there something you want to say? That you have you have the mic there. Or you just want the mic right here. Okay. We, okay. We don't need to touch it. You can just leave it right there, though. That's great because you've done this enough to know that it can be right there. And that and that's good. And then after they're done talking, we'll just put it back there, and that's totally fine. Okay. So when you're ready to say something, you just let us know. Perfect. Um, well, they've seen us in different roles, and and they're super invo- like super involved, as, as I said. Yeah. But it's good. And so would you? I mean, how would you help discern somebody's call, whether it was mm-hmm. to ministry or something else? Because you you've had to do it a couple of times, and we'll sure. talk about this latest iteration. But yeah. as as they're learning about different uh, work work for, for, for people and stuff that they're doing, what does that look like for you? Like how it help somebody walk through their own goal? Yeah, I think that the first step in figuring out what it is that you want to do would be to get to know yourself really well. So um, maybe some things that you, what's easy for you, what feels like other people might be saying, oh, that's, you know, I don't understand how you can do that so well. It, that looks so hard. And you're like, oh, this is like so easy. Why I don't understand why other people can't do it. So what comes easy for you? What do you get excited about? What are some things that, like, when asked, hey, do you want to, it's immediate. Yes, you're, you're kind of all in. I think those are some important things to pay attention to. Um, yeah, and so just, just kind of spending some time really evaluating 
the way that you're built and um, who you are uniquely and how that might contribute to, to, to some sort of career. Gotcha. Yeah. So how did you use that to help determine your new path of being, you know, go, going into counseling? So making yeah. the big transition, say, I'm going to go, I'm going to pause. I'm yeah. going to go back to school Yeah. for three years. Yeah, it's a three-year three year, program. And you're almost what done. What year are you yeah. on? Yeah. This is it, guys. Oh. I'm in my last year. Yep, I graduate in March, but who's yes. counting? Yes, exactly. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Yep. And I think all of them would be like, man, I don't want to go. We'll go back and do more school. Yeah. No, yep. But yep. you could never do it. Yeah. Yeah. If you were passionate, about, passionate enough about it, Yep. go back. <laughs> and so what does that yeah. process look like for you versus maybe school the first time you went to college? Yeah, I think... Um, in the profession that I'm entering into now. So sometimes in life, there's some hard things that happen. Um, many therapists, if you hear their story, it's peppered with some of that sort of stuff. And so um, in their own healing journey, they also want to be uh, somebody that helps others through that. Um, so knowing how I'm put together and how um, how I'm wired, it it began to be really apparent that um, I had an interest in kind of psychologically speaking how people operate in the world and um, back to your question of what makes something healthy and what makes something unhealthy. I think that that really is a question that kind of drove me to that place um, to try and figure out how, how do we do this well? How do we do life well with other people in it? Um, and I wanted to help with that. So... That led me to school, and you were saying, gosh, three years, I don't think I could do it. I was actually having a conversation with my oldest in the car today about that very thing, um, who happens to be Zach's friend. Um, and what I told him is don't ever let that, gosh, it's going to be how many years of school more, stop you because that time goes by, and you will have either accomplished what you want to accomplish or you won't have um, and the process is a really great process as well. So don't let the work of something prevent you from doing it because you will get there. You just put one step in front of the other and you'll get there and you'll be able to accomplish your goals in the process. And you're almost there now. I'm almost there now. Yep. So how, I mean, how does one just get released to be a counselor? Right. I mean, so it's a little, <laughs> a little bit different. Like, uh, you know, if somebody wants to be in the trades or right. engineering or whatever, I mean, you, you get your degree and all right, now you got to go find a job. Yeah. But, like if I'm looking for a counselor, just yeah. like, we're just to be honest, like sure. they don't have, they don't push your, they don't post your GPA or whatever, but you could say like, Hey, so many hours or so many years. Yeah. I've been like, do doing you know this. what you're doing? Yes. Like, do you know, I'm going to trust gonna, you with my yeah, psychological yes. health. Do you yes. know what you're doing? I'm going to lower all of my, my boundaries with somebody and be totally right. vulnerable with somebody who's brand new. Right. So how does that, how do you get prepared and what does that look is like? Is there like a, like a, like if you're trying to become a lawyer, there's a bar they need to get sure. into. Is it yeah. just something like that for counseling? Yes. They, they, um, there's lots of rules and regulations around what that looks like, thankfully, because, yeah. um, you don't want people, you know, getting into your business and not knowing what they're doing. So, <laughs> so a couple years of school and then right now I'm in my internship. So I've actually been seeing clients as a therapist since April. Um, and you have a supervisor that you meet with every week. Who's, I mean, my supervisor, supervisor has been doing this for 50 years. He, he's very good at it. Uh, I also meet with my teacher and other peers at, through my graduate school and talk about cases and how I'm managing it and how I'm working with the clients. 
Um, and you have to get a certain number of hours doing that. And then after you graduate from school, you have to get a whole bunch of hours. Usually takes a couple of years to be fully certified as a therapist. Gotcha. Um, and then there's governing boards that kind of keep track of all that and make sure you're on track. So, so approximately how many hours have you spent, you know, with clients right now? Um, I've probably spent somewhere close to 50 hours with clients. Okay. And yeah. how, and what's your, what's your takeaways or feedback so far? Like it is what you thought it was going to be. It is what I thought it was going to be. I feel like it's a really, um, you know, I was driving here today and I'm on a thread with some other of my colleagues from school. And one of my friends just had his first client today. And he said, wow, this is a really special thing that we get to do. And that feels really true. Um, people come and trust us with some of the hardest um, things that you could possibly imagine. Mm -hmm. And to sit with them in that space feels like a really sacred thing to do. Um, yeah. We, we've talked about a lot of different careers so far. We're, we're even mine, Brian, Brian was on and talked about insurance. And it's a yeah. very tangible or transactional thing that a lot of people do. It's like, I'm giving you money and you're giving me a product. Right. Um, or an insurance, or we had Chris, the lawyer, or Danny, uh, finance on. There is some relationship built into it that you're doing business with a, with a friend. Yeah. And then, but as soon as that thing is over, you can go home and go about your day. Right. And I think what, what you're looking at doing may be a little different, the fact that you're talking to people and they're being open and vulnerable. Yeah. And now you, how do you just compartmentalize that and put it away so that you can go yeah. home then and have family without dwelling on it? I mean, it's just a different type of, of path yeah. that you're, yep. you're doing. That's, that's a really good question and something we talk about a lot um, in school, actually. And it's you, you have to be intentional about taking care of yourself because if you're not taking care of yourself, you can't help anybody else. Um, but the quick answer is therapists put together what's called the therapeutic frame. So it lasts for one hour once a week and you show up and you're really present with your client. And when that hour is over, um, you say goodbye to your client and then they come back the next week. So because there is so, much, so many boundaries to keep everybody emotionally safe, um, <laughs> yes. Yeah. Um, we're okay. We we're okay to do that. So hmm. yeah, that, that, that's good. Uh, that's, that's good to know that you, you've got that in place, Yeah, but that you're looking forward to it too. Yeah. So because I'm going to put you on the spot and because I know you like dealing with kids or teens yeah. and yeah. being happy, healthy people. Yes. So how would, uh, what would you describe being an integrated person yes. as a, as a, as a teen? integrated person as a teen. Um, I'm going to, I had mentioned this earlier, but get to know yourself and your feelings. So if I could give every teenager what's called a feelings wheel, and it's just a, it's a chart that has all the different feelings that you could be experiencing. Cause when you develop language for what you're experiencing, that's the first step to being able to effectively communicate about it. Um, and until you understand your internal experience, it's really hard for you to be a good friend to other people and to care well for your community. So get to know what's happening for you really well so that you can understand other people really well. So then as a parent, and we have parents listening and watching, how yeah. can we, if, if somebody doesn't have the ability to express, what, express that yet, yeah. want to be cognizant of that's probably what's happening, but how yep. do you help 
identify that in them. Yep. So what I would suggest is think back to your own felt experience. So um, what did it feel like for you to be an eight-year-old? And what could they possibly be feeling right now? As an adult, you have better language for it. And then literally describe their feelings for them. Oh, you're probably feeling really left out right now. That's one of the hardest feelings that somebody can feel. It's, it, it feels really lonely. Um, you're probably pretty sad, too. Um, I know from my own experience exactly what that's like, and I'm so sorry. So just kind of providing some language for, for what that um, child is going through is probably a good first step. It's good. I think as a parent, we could do that. I'm trying to yeah. imagine Noah coming up to one of his buddies who may not be feeling well. And it's like, yeah. hey, are you feeling left out right now? Would you like to be included at the, <laughs> at, at the lunch table? I would never say it to anybody. I, I know. I know, I know <laughs> what I I'll know say you. to my friends is stop acting like that. Let's go have fun. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Exactly. Just ignore all your feelings. Yeah. They don't matter. Yeah, literally. I'd be like, just dial it in. Let's go. <laughs> yeah. it, it does. But what, what I just, yeah. I, have, I have a friend uh, in, in their school district. They are, are it's a, a great, you know, K through six, yep. trying to help kids uh, understand empathy. Yeah. And so they're bringing in a, a baby yeah. uh, every week into the classroom so that the kids can understand what it's like to be empathetic. Interesting. And so they're, so because a child can't, a baby can't use words, but yeah. you know that it's hungry or yeah. that it's cranky or tired based on it just being emotions. Yeah. So it's, it's, it's crazy that it's good that we're focusing on those things, but it's crazy. We have to spend so much time. It's not being learned in the household that it's like, yeah. how do you be empathetic for somebody? Yeah. Um, and that's, I think what you're, what you're talking about is like, yep. how can you understand where somebody's at and, and, and put yourself in their shoes to help them go yep. beyond or help the relationship? Yep. We, you know, we talk a lot about academic success and we talk a lot about working hard but in any profession that you land in, um, I don't know if this is empirically researched, my thought would be that emotional intelligence is probably the most important skill that you can learn. Um, and that starts with understanding your own emotions. That's like step one. You can't work well with people, you can't relate well with people if you don't first have a good understanding of what's happening in your internal world. Well, your empirical evidence would be you are fifth, sixth guest, and four out of the five have four or five have said the same thing. There it is. Emotional intelligence. Yep. It is. It is EQ. Yeah. Like it is the thing. Understanding yep. people. Yep. Yeah. Yep. Nice talk. You have a question. What was your favorite class? Oh, my favorite class. At, um, at what age? When she was your age or now? Middle school. Middle school. Middle school. High well, school. High school. High school. Oh, high school. My favorite class was woodworking shop. Can you imagine that? Do we have that? I don't no. think we have that. We had we had it at our age. Yeah, we did. I had yeah. it at my school. So it wasn't just a Montana thing? So no, I had it. I had it here growing up. Okay. Somebody, uh, a friend of mine, lost part of her thumb because she oh, did. I on, had a friend that on lost the belt his, sander. Yeah, the, the top digit of his pointer. Yes. <laughs> so maybe that's why. That's it's why not why, yeah. Mine was Mr. McConkey in the Sean class, and we made okay. clocks. Okay. And something else, and then like there was a gigantic wood lathe. 
And you had to watch. He didn't do the safety briefs. You had to watch a video. And if oh, you watched shoot. the video, you were unleashed on these giant pieces of commercial equipment. Yeah. And I remember this guy who did not watch the video. He, <laughs> he takes. If you guys don't know, if you guys don't know what a lathe is, it's about it's between me and Anna. It's about that big. Yeah. And it spins at like thousands of revolutions a second, and you stick a piece of wood on it, and yeah. then you take a tool and you you move it across, and it makes a square thing. Like a round dowel. And let me guess, let me guess. The guy did not use the tool. All of a sudden he turns it on and it starts going like this. And he's approaching it with this really sharp thing. And Mr. Conkey's like, put that down right now. <laughs> yeah, like, yeah. <laughs> I was like, and this guy was old and did not move fast. And that was the fastest I'd ever seen him, I'd ever seen him move. Yeah. yeah. Exactly. Well, that's kind of like your experience this summer when you were working as, as a laborer. I mean, they gave you the skill saw, the nail gun. And how much training did you actually have before you, you use these items? Um, for the record, a lot. Yeah, for the record, a lot. We're not naming names. Yeah. Yes, OSHA's record, not involved. On the record, yeah. OSHA, yeah. Uh, well, I am OSHA certified for the record. Yes, and, uh, off I had the a record. Lot of training hours for the yeah. record. And you only shot yourself with a nail gun how many times? Uh, only once, but that's because I. Because you shot yourself with a nail yeah, gun. That's, yeah, that's things happen. Can we get the yes, uh, off the record? <laughs> yeah, off the record, I don't know what I was doing. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. But it made some good money this time. <laughs> made some good money. All I know is that I made big, so that's all I that <laughs> Yes, exactly. Where are we going home? Well, that, usually when Tucker asks that question, that means we are we are at our, our limit. But we uh, okay. appreciate you coming on today, sharing. Any final thoughts from anybody? Uh, other than hooray, hurrah. Nice. Okay. Well, thank you for sharing today and, yeah. and seeing that it's, uh, teaching us it's okay to pivot and do something different uh, as you're going along, yep. whatever you're called to. So yep. thanks so much. And we will see you guys all next time.